What if you were born with a disease that you always knew would kill you? And then what if all of a sudden you were given a second chance? Well, that's exactly what happened to me. And it's the question that we explore on the new podcast series, Breathless from Snack Labs. Join me, Jeremy Saunders, for a series that explores what it means to live and die, to love and to lose, and what it's like to have your whole life turned upside down and the unexpected challenges that come with a life-saving drug. You can listen to Breathless now, wherever you get your podcasts. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, folks. Uh, This week, we are bringing you a special recording from our recent live show that was uh, presented by Algonquin Student Association um, in Ottawa. Uh, we had a really lovely time doing a live stream for the college and for everybody who attended. Thank you so much. And uh, we, we love the recording so much that we wanted to bring it to you for this week's episode. So uh, sit back and relax and enjoy this conversation that we had with Tess Devez, who is a sexual special, uh, specialist whose expertise is in working with intimacy and sexuality for people with cancer, chronic illness, and disability. Um, but they also work as a sexuality, BDSM, and consent educator for adults across Australia. And has taught thousands of people on these topics for nearly a decade. And uh, that is what we talk to Tess about today. About consent, about BDSM, and uh, all things under those umbrellas. So we hope you enjoy it, and uh, we will be back with our regular scheduled programming next week. Until then, see you on the other side. Um, all right, folks. So let's uh, let's take uh, a moment now to introduce to you our guest for this evening. Um, uh, our guest is someone who I had the absolute pleasure of meeting um, last month on my other podcast, Sick Boy Podcast. Um, this person joined us from Australia for a wonderful chat about how cancer and a cancer diagnosis does not have to uh, ruin one's sex life and all of the things that one person can do to uh, take back their sex life when dealing with something like cancer. Um, our guest, uh, their name is Tess, coming all the way from Australia. 
And uh, we are so, so, so elated to have you with us, Tess. Hello. Hi, thank you for having me. All the way from boiling hot Australia to, I'm assuming, freezing cold Canada. Freezing. <laughs> Depends on where you're at, right? Fridge, we got, I we, mean, we got folks all across the country. Re- regardless, anywhere it's in this country compared where to where are. you're at, Tess, is, is fucking frigid. Um, if Tess, you see me doing this, it's because I'm just really, really warm and I'm not about to pass out from nerves or anything like that. <laughs> Tess, um, uh, we're so glad to have you here. I, I, I would, the first thing I would love to do is, is just have you uh, take a moment to describe um, your job. Um, I know that we're going to be talking about a lot of the other things that you do, but, but one thing that I, I just find so fascinating about you and uh, is and is, we we talked about this on Sick Boy was was your job as a uh, occupational therapist, um, but an occupational therapist who focuses on sexuality. Um, so for folks in the in the in the chat and folks that are tuning in, who may might not know what an occupational therapist is, um, maybe describe just describe that. But also, um, what does an occupational therapist who focuses on sex do uh, in particular? My assumption was that an occupational therapist works with someone on their occupation and that if you're a sexual sexual occupational therapist and you must work with sex workers. Well, not quite, not quite, but maybe depending on the the person that uh, Tess is working with. Yeah. I mean, I, I have, um, I do work with sex workers in my other job, but, uh, so occupational therapists, we're, we're functional. So we help people do the stuff that they want to do that are the day-to-day activities as best they can. So like self-care stuff, cleaning, showering, dressing, or like cooking, catching public transport, managing your finances, uh, or sex, if that's something that is meaningful to you. And I have, I have two streams in my business. So I see people living with disability and chronic illness. And I also see people who have a cancer diagnosis and I do very, very broad range of work. But as, as some examples, I have, I have a client with a brain injury and he wants to learn about consent and communication so that he can have um, time with a cuddle therapist. I have mm. another client who is um, autistic and I'm teaching them how to have uh, social communications because they want to make friends and potentially have a, a girlfriend or actually at any type of romantic relationship. Um, I have another client who, um, oh my goodness, it's, it's very broad. I'm, I'm teaching them how to masturbate because they're a power wheelchair user. Um, so we're working on adapting sex toys for them and like positioning. And then in a cancer stream, I do a lot of work around rehabilitating libido because I have neurological training, so it's just neuroplasticity. I help people with recovering their orgasm, uh, how to deal with changes in erection, vaginal pain from like chemo and stuff, fatigue management, pain management. It goes on and on and on. Lots of communication and consent stuff, especially for my intellectual disability clients. So much consent work. Uh, I love it. I have like like... Ding, 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 ding. Bells going off in my head at the notion of neuroplasticity and libido. Um, because mm-hmm. I feel like a libido gets tossed around casually a lot as like, oh, I don't have a libido or I have a low libido. Mm-hmm. And um, I, the more I dig, like I, I was saying to you before we started recording, Tess, I love words. 
And so I started doing some digging around the word libido and from a psychological or maybe philosophical uh, perspective, libido is defined as life force. It's like the energy that goes into everything. Um, Anyway, that's just total sidebar, but that work sounds fascinating. I'm so intrigued. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about like neuroplasticity and, and sex? Like I, I'm, yeah. I'm a bit of a ding dong, so I, I don't know much about anything uh, except for psychedelics and NFTs apparently. Um, so, so I, like what, like how does, how does, oh, this sounds like such a dumb question, Jeremy. Uh, how does neuroplasticity and sex relate? Like what, where, what does neuroplasticity, what does neuroplasticity mean? When every when, question is perfect, Jeremy, <laughs> <laughs> what does neuroplasticity mean in the context of sex? All right. So, um, neuroplasticity refers to the fact that our brain can change. So I used to work in neurological rehabilitation. I'm a total neuroscience nerd. So I would help people recover, say arm movement after a stroke, or perhaps mm. learn, um, like sense, like how to reignite sensation for people that had, um, numbness after brain injury, spinal cord injury, multiple sclerosis, like neurological conditions. And it's all, it's all of like a really slow, repeated rehabilitative approach. And then I just sat back and I was like, if I can teach someone who's had a stroke, how to regain sensation why can't I teach someone how to regain internal vaginal sensation? Or why can't I just Mm. use the exact same techniques on a soft penis to help increase sensitivity? And what do you know? It worked because it's neuroscience. (laughs) It's just me using one very well evidence-based clinical um, uh, modality and just using that in a way that, you know, a taboo topic of, of sex. Huh. Like it, yeah, it was kind of a no brainer for me, but everyone in the hospital, when I would bring this up with like, Hey, you know, I'd talk to my patient's partners around, by the way, your partner could do their arm exercises and how to regain movement by giving you pleasure, by giving you pleasure with their hand. That's a way to practice finger movement. Wow. And everyone's like, what? I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Like, it's just sex. Come on. So, so in yeah. terms of your training, like was, was like as an occupational therapist who goes to school for that, I know that when, when, cause we, on my other podcast, we actually had an occupational therapist on before you to, to talk about occupational therapy and sexuality was, was actually something that didn't come up at all during our conversation. Um, and so I'm wondering like when you're training to become an OT, how much, um, because sexual sexuality is a, is an activity like a, uh, what, what's the, what's the wording that, that you guys use? Activity like, of daily living. Activity of daily living. So sex, sex, sex is one of those things, right? And so, um, along with brushing your teeth and, you know, go, uh, going to work or driving your car, like all these daily activities, sex is one of those things. How much is sexuality, f- uh, focused on in your training or, or is, or is that, is that really a part of the conversation at all? Um, and, and if, if not, was that just something that you kind of saw a, a sort of gap in the, in the, in the system there and, and decided to fill it yourself? We're in a little bit of a stage of evolution in OT. Um, uh, when I studied, 
we had a couple of tutorials on sex and sexuality and it was like, you know, hey, this is a sex toy for someone who's paralyzed from the neck down. It's a chin strap dildo, you know, like, hey, this is how people can sexually position themselves if they have had a a leg or an arm removed, Um, you know. And then so it was two, one tutorial and one lecture. Um, But that was enough for me to be like, oh, my God, I can talk about sex in my job because I was already working in the BDSM sector for like, years and years before I studied as an OT. So I was already working in sex right. and consent and stuff. Um, but but a lot of universities don't include it, but there's this, there's a real movement going now for um, occupational therapists to say like, hey, sex is an ADL. You doing your job is saying, hey, we can talk about this if you like. If sex is meaningful to you, we can talk about it. And I think OTs don't because they feel like they don't have the training. But... It's it's just transferable skills. We talk about pain management, fatigue management, positioning. <clears throat> OTs are so adaptable. We just we look mm. at someone whose body doesn't work normally and we figure out how to create some weird and wonderful in aids so that they can do the thing. It's the exact same thing with intimacy. Like intimacy aids, I call them, because mm. people are scared of the word sex. So they're not sex toys, they're intimacy aids. <laughs> but um yeah, it's crazy. Like there are more and more OTs doing it. Uh, and there's like a whole global movement as well that I'm connected to. But yeah, not everyone does. I also then I studied somatic at the Institute of Somatic Sexology after I graduated as an OT. And that was just me wanting to to skill up because I only wanted to focus on sex because I, I just wanted to fill the gap. Mm. You know, there are so many OTs out there, but not enough people are addressing sex. And I've got so much training and so much experience so the OT stuff, the sexology stuff, and the BDSM and kink stuff, I was like, ah, nah, I have to, I have to fill this gap. Like mm. I'm, I'm an excellent person to fill this gap. Can I ask? Yeah. Uh, this is a question that I listened to your episode of Sick Boy um, a couple of nights ago, and I have this recurring question that comes up in my life, and it, I thought of it while I was, I was listening to you. I was wondering if, what the recurring has this been a recurring reoccurring theme for you like early on in life? I feel like a lot of times our interests and our choices of what to study or how to what our callings are are sort of through lines that weave through our life. And you didn't talk about this on Sick Boy, but I'm just wondering how early on did this interest start for you? I I'm just I'm sorry, I'm laughing because this is the f- <laughs> such a good question. <laughs> so I used to work in finance, <laughs> and then I used to, <laughs> and then I used to work in a circus, and then I used to work um, like running a hostel in Guatemala, and then and then I came back to Australia, and then I then I studied OT. Well, then I like and then I worked in the became a worker in the BDSM sector. And then I studied OT and then sexology. So not really. So but I've, I was introduced to kink at the same time as I was introduced to sex. So I've been a participant in the kink community for about 19 years. Wow, that's a long time to say out loud. I just feel really old right now. Um, and so I guess from a perspective of, you know, like do interests bleed into the roles that we take? Um, yes, I guess from a perspective of like, hey, I've got a lot of experience and I can really offer some 
some really like helpful knowledge to people starting out and being interested in kink. So I guess like that, that was um, like a bit of a flow, but in regards to sex, it was actually me being uh, sexually assaulted um, and realizing Mm. how I could have, Oh, I did the victim thing. I'm like, I could have done that better. I could have prevented that. I should have seen the signs. Maybe I made it happen. And I was like, yeah, no, no, this isn't okay. I'm going to work in sexuality and I'm and I'm going to help people have quality of sexual health in their life. Mm. So sexual violence um, awareness is something that we um, we like to cover quite a bit on the podcast. And, and it's definitely something that we, we kind of want to touch on today for sure. And especially around like the, the, the notion and the concept of uh, consent and the importance of consent. And I know one of the things that you've mentioned, it's come up a couple of times, is that you, you, are, uh, you have uh, a history in working in the world of BDSM. And um, I know that consent is a really huge part uh, in, in BDSM. Um, but before we get to that, I do want to hit up one question here that I think you might maybe might be able to, to kind of touch on. Uh, considering your your background, uh, Sarah had a question, which was how to deal with a change in libido due to med- medication you are taking. Oh my god! Firstly, I forgot to mention that there's this new app on the internet, and when you type in a question, you get a gold star. It's invisible. You get a like a sheriff's badge, gold star on your on your person. So Sarah, you just got a gold star. Awesome. <laughs> and like, by the way, it's not a competition to get as many gold stars as you can. It's totally a competition. So yeah, um, I, I also, I've always wanted to be a sheriff. So like, that's a little bit <laughs> That's another through line. Um, okay. Holy, holy moly. That is an amazing question and a huge one. I do so much work with people who um, in particular are on chemically medically and surgically induced menopause from cancer treatments but also things like antidepressants that Mm -hmm. can interfere with libido if this is coming from an antidepressant perspective i really want to shout out that there are so many types of antidepressants out there that in particular ssris are known to affect libido and if that is affecting your quality of life it could be worth asking your doctor can we maybe explore a different type of antidepressant Mm. That's not going to have these side effects. I've tried all of them throughout my cancer experience and I have a, I've actually found one that doesn't affect my libido at all. It's like, oh, my God. Um, so I just want to give you hope for anyone listening and is on an antidepressant. You, There are different ones that have different side effects. So it's just about choosing the one that's got the right side effects for where you're at in regards to um, like libido from conditions and other medications. This is where, oh my God, I could talk about this for hours. (laughs) I'm going to try so hard to keep this small. All right. Libido is an onion, right? There's a whole bunch of layers to it. So the outside layer is call it your physicality, your physical stuff. Maybe you have pain. Maybe you have fatigue. Maybe you have um, muscle spasms. Um, So all these things that, that totally interfere with our libido. Then you've got the psychological stuff, the next layer inside the onion. So maybe you're stressed, maybe you're anxious, maybe you have guilt for not wanting sex anymore, maybe you have shame because your libido's dropped, you feel obligated to want sex more and that in itself is going to make you want it less because your brain is going to start to associate sex as something that is a chore or an obligation. And that ties into the next layer towards libido, which is the neurological aspects of libido. So when we 
are struggling with something, we put pressure on ourselves to do better. Like we are such a, I need to do better at this. I, I shouldn't be struggling. Firstly, if you're having a little bit changes in libido because of your medications and that's the side effect of the medications, you're normal because yeah. that's the side effect of the medication. So your body is functioning as it should on those meds. But going back to the neurological stuff is I, I help people regain their libido through neuroplasticity. What do you know? <laughs> um, but it's chipping away at these things, you know. So firstly, like, okay, we need to deal with your fatigue. If you're exhausted and you're forcing yourself to try and be intimate with yourself or someone else or others, um, it, you're not going to want it. We need to talk about your psychological state. How can we calm your mind and get you into a position where you actually are relaxed and you want to be intimate? So that could be a various, various ways of like addressing things like anxiety, stress and depression, guilt and shame. Or it could be simple things such as you need a lot of, lot of warm up, my friend. So I want you to kiss for the sake of kissing. I want you to touch your body for like 30 minutes and explore with vibration and just breathe and drop in because what can also happen is we can have delayed arousal responses from mm. medications. So people think that they don't want sex anymore. They have no libido, but in actual fact, they just take a really long time to get into it. And mm. sometimes when we're forcing ourselves to want sex and have sex, we rush because we just kind of want to do the thing and get the thing done. So we've done the thing and that's the thing that we're supposed to do. So that's a very complicated, <laughs> it's a really complicated thing. Mm -hmm. But I guess I really want to say that, that there is totally hope for you. You can through, um, oh, I really, I don't, oh, I hate saying this. I'm sorry. Australians are so bad at doing this kind of thing. But um, I released a book which has got a libido rehab program, which is for people with partnerships or themselves. And it's, it's like sensate focus, you know, it's like you have to ban sex. You've got to ban the thing that you're anxious about to get to wanting the thing, but you do all the other stuff in between. You really don't re relearn your body. You touch yourself. You let your arousal responses kick in again, your sensory receptors. You, like, you learn where your erogenous zones are again. You learn about pleasure. Your arousal responses kick in. And then once all of that stuff happens, you're like, huh, yeah, I could really go for maybe some sex now. Um, so again, it's like you got to trick your brain into thinking that it doesn't matter at all while you're getting your physicality and your emotional state really excited about touch and pleasure because that's going to make you want it more. And then once your brain starts to crave sex because you're enjoying touch and pleasure and you're getting your arousal responses back up again, then you're actually going to want it. And that's and that's what libido is. Libido is wanting, right? Mm. And that's like that life force uh, <laughs> that you mentioned, Bridie. That's just like when you said that, I was like, oh, my God, because it's so true. Like it's, it's, it's all of us, you know. It's our mind. It's our body. It's our brain. Our brain is our largest sex organ. But it's also our breath, you know. Our breath is how we connect to ourselves. And if we're not in our body, we're not going to want it. We're not going to want pleasure or touch or connection. Sorry, that was really ranty. No, um, it was amazing. I could think about this forever. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was great. I, I, um, I'm. I mean, first of all, thank you, thank you for for walking us through that because, um, again, I think I think it's one of those things that a lot of people deal with, and and, um, especially when it comes to issues surrounding sex, because because sex in 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 and of itself is also really stigmatized in <clears throat> in the the Western world. Um, 
people find it really hard to a talk about it. People find it hard to seek help for it. So, uh, so they, thank you. And to talk to their own doctors <clears throat> about it, because mm-hmm. you know you pointed out that oh, occupational therapists <clears throat> are, you know, they get a couple of slides. Well, same as the person who went to med school and is mm-hmm. prescribing you your antidepressants or your med- medications. They yeah. they're not really trained in how to handle that subject or even consider it as an important yeah. um, thing to consider. I um. I, I would love to move on to <clears throat> this this discussion surrounding consent, um, uh, but before we do, <clears throat> excuse me, we had um, we had a number of polls that people had chimed in uh, on before the show started, and um, something I, I I just think is really interesting. One of the first questions that we put out there was, "What is your level of, of experience with BDSM?" Um, thirty eight percent of the the votes uh almost thirty nine percent actually uh had said i am interested uh thirty three point three percent said i've dabbled sixteen percent said that i'm an experienced practitioner uh five percent said it gives me life uh but we actually had uh we had five percent that had said what is b d s m and mm-hmm. uh on top of that we we also put uh i am a uh sub and that was 42% said that they were a sub. Uh, 50% said switch. Um, uh, 0% said dom. Very interesting. Um, but there wow. was also 7% that said, what are these terms? So, ah. so maybe before we get into cons- consent, what is BDSM? And what are terms like dom, sub, switch? <gasps> okay. <laughs> these are huge questions, by the way. This is like saying define sex. Um, <laughs> but... Think of it like um, I'm going to use the word kink and I'll explain why I say kink a lot rather than BDSM in a moment. But the word kink means a bend in something that is straight. And so from a play and pleasure and um, lifestyle perspective, kink uh, and kink can be something that is not the norm whatever that means. So one person's kink could be eye gazing, you know what I mean? But another person's kink could be genital pain. So it's also uh, very, (laughs) it's very person to person, but BDSM. Yeah. So bondage, you know, like restraint, um, maybe using rope or um, cut like leather cuffs and stuff, Uh, dominance and discipline, um, sadism and submission and masochism Um, and those words represent so oh goodness there's so much to say so domination and submission essentially refer to a power exchange so someone you know you have a you have a discussion you have a negotiation with say your dominant and you're like hey I want to submit Um, let's talk about the ways that I would love for you to have power and control over me I am a CEO of a company I have a really busy lifestyle and I just want you to tell me what the fuck to do for a while. And Mm. I just need to switch my brain off, you know? And so then you're like, here are my limits. Um, and when I, if I call this safe word, we stop, but yeah, go for it. Um, and so the dominant will then be given the guidelines or the guidance by the sub will then have a sense of control and that it's like a, yeah, the power dynamic. So top, uh, the words like top and bottom, you'll hear a lot used from the gay male community 
So that's like less of a power exchange, less of a um, power shift dynamic where it's like, say, um, like, Bridie, do you mind if I use you in a hypothetical situation? Please. Yeah, thanks. Um, so, Bridie, I offer you a spanking. And I'm like, hey, I'd love to give you a spanking if you're up for it. Um, this isn't going to really be like super intense and um, I don't really feel like a dom sub type of connection, but I'd love to offer you this experience. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about that, Bridie? I like to be spanked. And so I, as the giver of the spanking, am the top. And Bridie, as the receiver of the experience, is the bottom. And so there's, so that's like the giving and receiving, but it's also like without that power exchange. Now, would it, would it be incorrect to say that that in that same situation that you would also be considered the dom and Bridie would be considered the sub? Totally. If there was, if we had discussed and decided on me, on there being a power dynamic of me having a sense of like power over this person and control over this person, but it's not necessarily always the case, you know? Um, so I guess like when people hear the words dom and sub also dominating is like so much fun and it's just an extension of yourself. Like I am, I was going to use Australian, like daggy, but, uh, it's, you know, it's like, oh, I'm wearing all this black and I'm going to like fuck you up and cause you pain. It's like, yeah, you could do that. Or we could have so much fun and you could just mess me up in the ways that I ask for. And like at the end of it, just like be smiling and like, oh my God, what just happened? That was the best. Like I love messing, like fucking people up um, in the ways that they ask for. But I'm also, I laugh, we joke, I'm a t- total cheeky bastard um because it's an extension of myself like I find kink and BDSM and sex fun and so for others it's a really intense experience you know it's it's just different for everyone but there's this idea that like when when you're dominating someone like you have to switch like go into this role of um this quiet serious person but what you what you're putting yourself at risk of doing is if you're forcing yourself to be someone you're not you might actually be taking away the concentration that you have to care for your sub and make sure you're within their consent and limitations um so i guess also from people who are curious about this world um relieve yourself of the pressure to be amazing and to be hardcore like if you're good at what you do, and that means if you are good at communicating and negotiating with your play partner about what you both are up for, what you want and your limitations, and if you are learning a skill such as something that's technical like rope or like flogging and you really baby step learning so you get your technical skills up and then you can go hardcore on someone, that is you excelling at BDSM mm. and kink. I like that point of of learning a technique so that yes. you can amp it up responsibly and safely. Um, yeah. And when I think about how, you know, if being, I, when I think about myself being new to these terms, I'm, I'm thinking of myself searching for ways to identify myself. So, you know, what do, if someone says to me, what do you like in sex? And I am me at 19 years old. I'm like, well, I don't know. Don't ask me any questions. So we just do it. But, but now that I'm, you know, a little bit older than that, I can recognize that, well, there are certain times when, 
I like to be in charge and like a bossy. And then there are certain times where, like you said, like I, I'm just tired of like being in charge. And I just, I want, I want someone to like, maybe like dis disable me in such a way, like tie my hands together behind my back or give me a spanking Mm. or whatever. And those are more of my submissive qualities. So, so I guess in that, I could maybe define this term switch that we also threw up in that mm. poll. It's just yeah. like, I like to play both roles and I am in no way an experienced BDSM practitioner, but I can recognize myself in those sort of archetypes of the dominant and the submissive. And for anybody who's listening now, who, who also was like, what are these, ter- what are these terms? What does this mean? Maybe that's like a bite-sized way of, mm-hmm. of sort of describing impulses you might recognize in yourself and where that might put you on the on sort of that that spectrum yeah yeah i'm a total switch um i i some people feel like you have to be one or the other i mean like good for you but um not everyone is in the same state of mind for their entire life or you know maybe someone goes through life changes and they realize oh i might Mm. want to explore submission now so I guess like switch just mean you know switch doesn't mean you have to be able to like in the one scene go from dom to sub you know that kind of thing so so, like I've gone you know like a couple of months where I was just really into submitting and then I'm like oh no my status is coming back can uh do you feel like submitting for a while to one of my play partners Mm -hmm. like I, I would really like to just step into my power and and mess you up for a while um, so like switch, yeah, switch is the, I'm a hedonist. I, I like everything mm. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you, the, another word that you used there was seen. Mm-hmm. And I know that that's a word oh, that's yeah. uh, quite, quite often used in the world of BDSM and, and, and kink. Um, can you give it like just a quick sort of rundown on, on what you mean by scene? Yeah. Like, so think of a scene in a play or a movie, like it's got a beginning, a middle and an end. And there's like a plot arc. So a scene could be um, uh, oh, one of my favorite things is um, a sensory awakening experience. So one of my partners in particular, um, I do this with, I put a blindfold on them and I take them through a very, like all the senses, you know. So, so the beginning of the scene would be the negotiation and popping the blindfold on and me preparing all the things. And then I take them through sound, smell, taste, um, and, and touch experiences. Um, and so the scene ends when I'm done playing with this person. So when the sensory experience ends, maybe I finish or they call red and, and then we debrief. So you could say that the scene begins at the negotiation and it ends after with the aftercare. And some people say the scene begins and ends when the actual negotiated play and touch and connection stuff happens um it's just really helpful to have that that container because especially if you're playing with power dynamics you you don't want to get confused as to when uh when your control over yourself um comes back you know you 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 want to have that definitively um defined so that you can continue on with your life Mm. um but yeah the the negotiation and the aftercare are the definite markers of like this is over and i'm caring about you and we're done and geez that was great thank you so much turn me on podcast we'll be back after this short break 
Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Similar to what you were talking what we were talking about earlier with the psychedelic um, experiences, you want to make sure that everything is articulated and agreed upon what's like, what's going to happen mm-hmm. beforehand and the aftercare, you know, the coming down of the trip mm-hmm. and the, and mm-hmm. the care that happens after there was another point I, I wanted to make. You used a term there, um, calling red and, mm. um, I'm assuming what you mean is, uh, stop. Well, is stop. So mm-hmm. like red light is stop. Yellow light is like, maybe don't push it any further, but this is good. We can keep going. Yeah. Something needs to change. Or, yeah. yeah. I, th- I think this, this is actually a really great sort of segue into consent and the, and the conversation of consent. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I mean, I, I feel like, um, most of us know what consent is. Um, but in, you know, just, just to be really clear, um, what does, and I know that this is a, a really large question, uh, the, the umbrella of consent is quite huge, but what it, what, like, what should people consider when thinking about consent when it comes to, um, when it comes to the act of sex outside of just like consent of like, yes, I am. Yes, I am consenting to having sex with you, uh, mm. versus no, I do not give you consent to have sex with me. But like it, it goes, it's it's much deeper than just that. Oh my god, consent is huge. Like, there's four day workshops on consent. Like, <clears> it's <throat> very very complex. Superficially, it's about you can't give. So it's you know informed consent. You can't consent to something that you don't know about and you don't know what's coming up. So it's about having a discussion. You know, knowing what you're saying yes or no to. Um, knowing what to expect, but also being able to understand your your wants and desires, being able to understand your limitations and boundaries so you can actually from a um, self-protection and um, self-preservation perspective, you, you can congruently say no thank you or yes please or I'd like to talk a little bit more about that. 
So consent is everyone agreeing to something, but you can't agree to something unless you know what that thing is. So consent equals you got to have a discussion. Yeah. And there mm-hmm. are, you sent us um, some consent cards, but there are other resources out there that are like, I'm a yes to this. I'm a yes. I'm a yes to spanking. I'm a yes to like light choking. I'm a no to being bound, you know, or I'm a no to, you know, even as I'm a no to having the lights off, whatever. And those things can also, this is something we talk about in, in just to swing it wildly in a different direction for a moment to massage school. We, this is new, I can tell for a lot of the teachers in my school who've been practicing and teaching for 25 years and plus, that now every day before we go into an exchange, it's like, do I have your permission to treat, to palpate, to drape you this way, to touch you? And it's just, it's, it just rolls off the tongue now. It's very natural mm-hmm. for us. But also the concept that if at any point you no longer consent, I will also you can also withdraw your consent at any time within oh my god yes in this scene for for what we're yep. talking about with BDSM I um, it's so important to oh sorry no 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 get in there get in there um like that that is Friday it's so important what you just said there's this idea of like okay I've agreed to something there's no turning back now and like mm. oh yes there it is that's why safe words exist but it's also it's not the boundaries aren't just for the submissive or the bottom, you know, they're for the top and dom too, you know, like I I have been beating someone up oh so deliciously and I realize like, oh my God, I have some serious lower back pain. I'm like, I'm I've got to stop. I actually feel like I might cause myself some physical <laughs> harm. How would you like to wind this down? And what can we do afterwards that's not physically laboring for me? Let's have some aftercare. I'm sorry, I gotta call red. Um, you know, like, so everyone is responsible for their consent, but the idea of, okay, so I've said yes to this thing and now we're going to do it. And if you're halfway through and you're like, ah, oh, do I really want to do this? Oh, I said, yes, I should keep going. You're actually non-consenting yourself in that moment. Mm. And what's happening is, um, if I, if I found out that a partner or a lover, um, or a play partner did not call a boundary and they did something with me because they thought they should, I would be mortified um, and I would actually need to have a very long conversation with them very compassionately around how can I how can I help you feel safer with me so that you feel comfortable to call your boundaries? Mm-hmm. What can we do together? And I, Even I think if that's, it's, yeah, yeah, I think that's also just a good point to like um, to stress that having a, a really comfortable and and like deep grasp on the ability to have a conversation surrounding consent can like that, that really does play a role in the, the awareness of, of, of something like sexual violence, right? Like it, it can, it can prevent situations from happening that, um, that might, uh, that might come up if, if those, if those, if that grasp on something like consent isn't there. What are those red flags yeah. mm. of, of someone who, it, you know, because I see that sometimes in like the dating online dating app culture where you get a few words to describe yourself and someone says, I'm, I like, I'm Madame looking for my sub. Like mm. what there, there's, there's theoretically like, yeah, I'm, I like to be dominating. And then there's being educated in what it is. 
to be yes. a dom? I have so much to say. Yes. <laughs> Red flags. So if someone says, I'm a, I'm a dom, you're like, yeah, great. Tell me about how you enjoy power dynamics. How do you like to dominate people? Tell me about how you use safe words. What questions do you like to ask a submissive when you're negotiating play? And if the person's like, huh, what, you what? Like, so people think doming is like, oh, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm having sex with you from behind and I spank your butt and you're taking it. Like they think that's doming. So some people don't actually grasp the concept of the, inte- the amazing responsibility it is to have control over someone's physical and psychological body and the responsibility that comes with that, but also just the fact that it's not really represented very well in in media. So being in the scene, being in the communities is kind of like how you learn. But like another red, a huge red flag is um, uh, you have to prove you can take it. If you ever hear that, run. Mm. Oh, my God. Um, not everyone is into everyone and not everyone is into everything. And I really like pain but I only like thuddy pain. I really don't like stingy pain, but other people love stingy burny pain or like cold temperature burny pain, but really don't like thuddy pain, you know, like, so even in types of stuff that people enjoy, you're not going to like it everything. And if you have to prove you can take it, what this dom in com like inverted quotes is saying is, um, I don't care about your safety or your experience at all. Mm. That's what they're saying. Um, oh my God, I had so many red flags. Oh, and the other one that you might hear is, um, I don't need to use safe words. I know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Oh, so that yeah. That makes run. me angry just thinking just about hearing it. Just hearing it. I know. I know. Oh my God. I know. Like, so I, I've, I've been in the scene for a while and you know, like I, I had a, I had a scene with a, a partner where we were planning it for months we had like, we were going on a, we made up fake personalities and we were going on a really awkward Tinder date because um, we'd never been on a Tinder date before. So we're like, oh, let's do this as a scene. And the goal was we had to create uh, personalities that would we wouldn't like, but we were so, we really wanted to have sex. So we kind of had to put up with each other and get someone home to one of our places. And, you know, it was so much fun. And oh, it was the most worst awkward date like oh yeah and then we got we got back to I got back to my partner's place and and it was really funny they left out like a the photo of me on the dating app with some moisturizer and tissues nearby I pretended not to see it and then we got to the bedroom and we didn't know how to initiate because we didn't know how to talk about sex it was really awkward and then I just had to call red I was like you know what um too much I love you I love this scene I have to call red this is bringing up um the time, one of the times I was actually raped. Um, Mm. Can we please just stop and like, let's do some aftercare. So we sat on the couch with a glass of wine and we had a huge conversation. And at the end of it, we were just hugging and laughing and celebrating all the creative fun stuff we did do in that scene. And, you know, the, the awkward sex part was just, it was just a part of it. And my partner was so grateful that I called red and it was really difficult for me. I was like, oh, but we did so much work. Yeah. But at the same time, it was like psychological safety. So yeah. so th- I think that 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 brings us to a really um, great question that was asked by Sarah, uh, which was a question surrounding consent. So how does consent impact with partners? Um, you say no, but then say yes. How do you go about that? Gold star, Sarah. <laughs> That's two gold stars for Sarah. Sarah I know, you're, right? You're just you're you're killing it with the gold you're stars. You're winning. 
I just might. So the question is, how does consent work if someone says no and then they change to a yes? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So like in that in that scenario that you just kind of walked us through, you you were Mm -hmm. consenting yes, but then it got to a moment where that that consent changed and and you were you weren't comfortable anymore. Yeah. Um, Which which I feel like you know if some people might put themselves in that situation and fear that that situation in and of itself um would would cultivate some awkwardness in the in the interaction between you and your partner um so i i guess i you know not to put words into sarah's mouth but i guess the question is like how do you how do you go about um switching consent with someone who you you are you're actually really close to or maybe even someone that you've just met you know like um, because I, you know, I think one of the things that's really important is that consent, the, the, the notion of consent can, can change can, moment to moment. Can I just pipe in here Please too do. and yeah, add yeah. that I've been doing some boundary work, uh, with a teacher and she has just briefly alluded to, we have not touched on this, but I'm very intrigued by it is both sides sensing the no learning to sense the no under the yes mm. and mm-hmm. learning to sense the yes behind the no mm. because oh both we do, we do both things. Mm-hmm. We say yes when we mean no and we say no when we mean yes. And we want our partner to be able to read our mind. I just wrote seven dot points of things I want to say to that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. Um, Firstly, congruence and understanding your authentic yes um, takes time and practice. And yeah, we're not mind readers and people's body signals differ from day to day from body body. So yeah, it's tricky. It's also, it's about practice, but okay. So we're not taught this. Okay. Um, Can you imagine how the world would be if at school we were taught uh, nonviolent communication, how to openly and compassionately discuss your feelings and have someone share their feelings with you and how to be understanding, how to express a your self-care and a no and have that received gratefully. Can you imagine how different the world would be? We're not taught this. We're taught that uh, we're a should culture, we're a yes culture, you know, um, we're afraid to say the word no because we don't want to upset someone or they might take it personally and it's a rejection. My tip is, Sarah and anyone else who resonates with that question, and by the way, I, I, was, I was you as well. Like I, I, was, I was the person asking this question back in the day. Um, oh God, you're going to hate me. I'm so sorry. But you've got to start slow and you've got to practice. It's really clunky at first, um, but... Even sitting with your partner in a non-sexual way and make each other offers and just practice saying thank you so much for the offer uh, but no thank you and just practice saying no and practice hearing Mm. no and practice respectfully saying, oh, my God, thank you so much for your boundary. Like thank you for caring about Mm. yourself. I would Mm. not want to non-consent to you or violate you. Um, And so I guess that's a first step. If you have a partner who if you, it's it's not changing your mind, you know, it's, it's noticing what your body and mind want in the moment 
and that will change because mm. uh, that's normal. That's what bodies do. If you have a partner that um, doesn't really accept that or forces you to keep going, maybe just have a think about um, if they truly respect you and care about your safety. I think mm. that's probably a worthy yeah. conversation to have. And and Sarah chimed in again there, and and just to clarify, like where where she personally is coming from said that uh yeah exactly so like in terms of let's say the delayed arousal and not wanting it initially um but wanting to let your partner know that you may want it um mm-hmm. i don't know if that makes sense lol but i i think that that makes lots of sense especially considering you're, we were talking about the delayed arousal earlier but um okay can i overshare yeah yeah please 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 <laughs> All right, um, Sarah, another gold star. <laughs> you are, you're a machine. Free, free. Um, so I'm on cancer treatments right now and I have a delayed arousal response and I have literally had that conversation on a date with one of my partners two days ago. Mm. And they we were, what were we doing? We were, I think we were just like, we had a massage swap because I, like, oh, I just really want to connect with you. Can we just have a tent, put a timer on for 10 minutes and we'll do a massage swap. And then we got some food delivered and we're sitting in bed and we're like, and they said to me, would you like to watch, by the way, I'm a total Star Trek nerd. Like, do you want to watch some Janeway in bed (laughs) or would you be up for a pleasure experience? Um, Either me offering you pleasure, maybe with my hands or, you know, maybe I could receive something, but you know, no expectations. Like what are you in the mood for? And I word for word said, you know what? Like, I know that my body's probably going to like it when it's happening, but right now I just don't, it doesn't seem appetizing to me at all. Can we please, can you please just really softly and slowly touch my body? I'm just going to lie back and you're just going to brush your fingertips all over my stomach and my thighs and I'm just going to breathe and I'm just going to have a moment to relax and really drop into touch. Mm. And can I, after a while, just let you know if I'm a yes or a no? And my partner's like, hell yeah, I get to touch my partner up. This is awesome. Um, And, you know, what do you know with a delayed arousal response? My mind relaxed, my body relaxed, and then I ended up, you know, having a whole bunch of massive orgasms. It was great, and then I watched Star Trek. Um, I love, I love that you, I love that you phrase that as do you want to watch some Jane Way, or that your partner phrased it that way. That's that's really hilarious. I have hilarious. no idea. What Jane Way is a Jane Way is a character in oh, in Star Trek. It's like it's like she's saying the that, best Star Trek captain ever. Yeah, yeah, it's like do you want to watch some Obi Wan? Like instead uh-huh. of saying do you want to watch some Star Wars? Um, yeah. uh, to that, uh, to that, uh, to what you just said there. Uh, one of the other um, uh, poll questions that we have was what's your favorite code word for sex. Uh, 60% said doing it. Uh, so 6% said shagging. I love shagging. Uh, 13% shag. said making love. A bunch making of romantics love. in there. And then uh, 20% said boinking, but 0% said amorous, congress, uh, amorous congress. Amorous congress. I just, I just <laughs> it's, like it's great. It a lot. <laughs> it's great. Um, let's, uh, I was going to put, I looked up, I Googled Australian words and I found oh, yeah. root. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! yeah. yeah. Give, give oh it, my god! Yeah. Having a root. Having a root. Yeah. Having a root. It's I've um, never heard it's that. very crass. Um, it's okay. kind of like a a bit of a piss take on, 
Um, oh my God, I was just about to do so much. Like when people are a bit rough as guts, but that's more Aussie slang. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, root. it's for like people that are a bit um, taking the piss out of being uh, very uneducated what's and forceful. Uh, and oh, what's, okay. what's the other, the other one's like, like fair dinkum. What's that one? That's like, if someone's fair dinkum, they're, uh, they're, what's fair dinkum? Fair dinkum is. Um, that's not Australian? No, but yeah, fair dinkum is no, Australian. We just don't really say it. Um, oh, you don't? I think that's old school. Oh, yeah, fair dinkum. I think that's like saying, oh, yeah, true, 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 mate. Yeah. Yeah, right, right, totally. So, like, yeah. like you want to have a root, fair dinkum. Yeah, sure, true. Uh, <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, quite, least, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, takes a lot dinkum. to make Jeremy blush, but he's definitely uh, blushing. Right I love it. Um, so, <laughs> we, we had a, we had another, uh, a roll in the hay said Jillian, Jillian and, oh, uh, nice. and, and Sarah said my favorite, which is making fuck. I love making, making fuck. fuck, but let's make that's, some fuck. That's, oh. that's my, that's my go-to. Um, we had another, considering consent, uh, we had another question that came in from Natalie, um, which was how does the conversation around consent change when you add layers of alcohol and drugs? Oh, Yes, gold star. Mm -hmm. gold there we star. go. Another one just out. Um, on the consent card, the second to last question is, are we sober? Um, and look, there's there's different types. You know, look, alcohol is one of the drugs that alters our brain. But, you know, I'm on a lot of medications. So I will say to a partner in negotiation, um, look, I've had a bunch of painkillers but I'm feeling really present and in control and I feel like I am making um, informed and like congruent decisions and I don't think I'm stepping over uh, my abilities right now. Or I have also said, hey, I just had to take so much. Um, I had to take a whole bunch of marijuana to help with my pain. So I don't think me topping right now is a really good idea because I think my aim and my technical skill is going to be off. Mm. And they're just like, oh, my God, thank you. Let's bookmark that for another time. What shall we do? Would you like me to top you? You know, so um, it's there's a whole different variables of like sobriety. So and it's not so it's not just alcohol and other drugs, but there's there's many things to think of. So alcohol makes us suggestible. Um so what we might be cautious of, say if someone's like, hey, would you like to explore um, what it's like to have needles put through your skin superficially? Would you like to like explore needle play? And if you've had um, some drinks, you may be like, oh, yeah, okay, sure, I'll give that a go. And then when you wake up the next morning, you've got like all these pinpricks all over you and maybe some scabs and you, and you realise, oh, God, I, I, I didn't want to do that. Oh, shit. And then you've got regret. Um, so you're suggestible. Also, uh, alcohol and other drugs, um, they change your sensory receptors. Yeah. So when you're, it's like I'm going to use spanking as an example again just because it's really easy. Um, so if you're having a, a negotiation with a, a play partner and, and they're like, cool, so what level of intensity are you feeling up for today? Like, you know, what's your mood? How are you doing in your body? Um, and the person says like, yeah, yeah, I think I'm going to like maybe let's just stay around like a six or seven out of ten. I don't want to go too intense today. Then, you, you, But if you've got alcohol in you, your sensory receptors might be a little bit numb and so what you think is a seven out of ten, the person's actually hitting you a lot harder 
And then you, again, you wake up, you've got bruises all over you. It's pretty triggering. It's upsetting. Um, and you feel, maybe you feel violated. And sometimes the person can hold the top and dom responsible for that. And then they feel like they violated someone. Um, so you've got to be really honest, like kink and BDSM, we have to be good at communication because there's risk. It's mm. just like when you go to a construction site, you've got to look at all the risks and you've got to protect yourself and you've got to like sign contracts and make sure everyone's on board and educated about how to be safe. So we have to be good at communicating, but we also have to be honest. You know, there's no room for ego when it comes to your physical and emotional safety. And if you're not honest when you're in negotiation, you might be setting yourself up for things to go to go badly. There's no harm in saying to someone, oh, look, I haven't really done this before, so can we just go like really slow and easy? Mm. When people say that to me, I'm like, oh, thank you so much. Because like if someone says, oh, I do this all the time, it's going to be a totally different experience for them if they're lying and I think that they're experienced at this and I'm like caning their feet versus someone who just wants to explore and I'd be really gentle and checking in and slow exploring and asking them how they're doing, you know, and there's nothing wrong with not knowing anything. None of us know anything until we've done it and learned about it. So it's, it's just this thing of like, are are we sober? Um, I've actually had a few drinks. I don't think I'm super drunk, but like maybe we could tone this down a little bit and wait till I am sober. Um, versus like, yeah, I just had like so much Molly. Um, I think I'm going to say yes to everything. So I think Mm. I should say no to everything right now. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, uh, I love that. Thank you so much for, for, um, bringing us through that. Natalie says, uh, thank you with the, with a big heart and some stars and that stars for you, Natalie. So you keep that. Um, we, uh, speaking of consent and I just want to put this out there before we move on to our last uh, little segment here. Um, we were provided with these wonderful consent cards, um, uh, from UTES, um, and we're going to actually, uh, we're going to send these out to everyone who attended the stream this evening. Um, uh, this is, there's two different cards. There is the, the, you know, the, the regular consent cards, uh, for curious creatures, um, which comes with a, a front and a back. This is the front and, and this Questions is the back. Questions like, what do we hope to get out of this? Yeah, yeah, Exactly. Um, and then there's also the consent cards for kink and, and, uh, we will, again, like I said, we're going to take these and we will send these out to everyone who attended the show tonight. Cause I think these are really great resources to have. Uh, and again, these are coming from www.curiouscreatures.biz. So, uh, we'll send those out to everyone. Um, before we, before we wrap this up, um, I, we're, we're kind of coming up to time here, but maybe we can squeeze it in if, if you think we can test. I know that you wanted to kind of run us through an exercise uh, for Brady, myself, and all the listeners on on how to um, somatically connect with your body. Um, mm. And you know, maybe maybe someone out there listening doesn't know what the what what the word somatic means. Um, I'm sure you'll kind of run us through that. But uh, I, I would love to take a moment to go through this exercise because I think it would be something that would be really beneficial, especially for those who are looking to incorporate a little bit more. Um, consent into the conversations that they're having with their partners, whether those be partners that they've been with for a long time or partners that they've just met through Tinder and are on their first date. And also having Mm. done just a little bit of this kind of exercise before, it's so applicable outside of the sexual um, context as well. So anyway, that's all. Consent for everything. I mean, I, I, I'm, 
learned and teach consent through BDSM, but it's improved every aspect of my life. I've got better working relationships. I've got better boundaries with my family. Like it's insane, mm-hmm. you know, and consent is everything. But um, yeah, so somatic essentially just means uh, connection and understanding of your body. So what is very common is when people are wanting to, you know, start the process of maybe exploring their yeses and their noes and getting better at communicating their yeses and their noes, especially if you're starting to explore, let's call it more adventurous or explorative forms of sex and intimacy and pleasure. It's a fancy way of saying kink and BDSM. <laughs> um, it's, it can be really like, yeah, but how, how do you know? Because again, like Bridie, you touched on this earlier of um, like mixed signals. We can say yes, right? But it looks like a no, like maybe there's like a, hey, would you like to proceed? Would you like to do this with me? Like, yeah, yeah, yep, yeah. You're like, cool, I'm hearing a yes, but it actually I'm seeing and sounds a bit more like a no. Should we talk about this a bit more? So it's like mixed signals. And so what what I would like to do with you, uh, everybody, is uh, it's super quick, but it's a way to understand your yeses and your noes on a physiological side. So our brain can say yes, but our body can say no. And so many people when they're exploring kink and they're like, I'm saying yes, cause I really want to learn about this thing. But what if I push myself too hard? I'm like, ah, you got to listen to your body. The body always knows. Your brain will say yes, your body will say no. So from an informed consent perspective, I'm going to describe it, demo it, and then you'll do it. So you'll know exactly what's coming up. So you can not proceed if you wish. So what I'd like for you to do is we're going to imagine a situation where we've asked for a touch experience, something really small, we're keeping this super simple, and you're getting exactly what you want. So I am, uh, I'm imagining, oh, yeah, God, this is exactly what I want right now. I've asked for someone to just like really slowly and firmly run their fingernails down my back. Oh, my God. And just noticing that I'm getting that, what is your, what is my body doing? What is my yes signal? And I just, I just like my breath just dropped. And I noticed that I like shrugged my shoulders and I swear to God, I actually just got a little bit aroused (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) thinking about how good that touch was. And um, yeah, I really slumped into my chair and I leant back into that touch. So what I would like for you to do, because everyone's yes signals are going to be different, I want you to imagine you've asked for something and you're getting it exactly the way you wanted it, something small. And what what is your body doing? You know, do you, do you lean towards the touch? Does your breath slow down? Yeah, what does your body do? And so tuning into this, this is a way to recognise your yes signals. And we're going to flip that now. And keeping this small again, I want you to think about that you've asked for a touch experience and it's not quite right. It's not quite what you wanted. It's not really what you asked for. So I'm going to use that back scratching thing for me again because, geez, I want someone to do that to me right now. I'm in isolation, so I'm very touch starved. Okay, so I've asked for very firm, slow scratch on my back. And instead, I'm getting soft fingertip touch. 
Can you see me? I just went Tyrannosaurus Rex. Did you see <laughs> yeah, that? I did see that. <laughs> That's the signal. <laughs> and like, oh, I went all, I did the spinal protection hunch thing. And I went, I kind of squished my face like I've bitten into a lemon. Well, I don't know if, yeah. So, oh, yeah, I, um, they're my no signals. Jeez, <laughs> pretty strong. So, yeah, like imagining something for yourself, like really small, like maybe you want a hand massage and they're just tapping you instead. And so imagine that thing you asked for, it's not quite right. And what is your body doing when you're getting touch that isn't quite right? And just noticing those signals. Elbow, elbow <laughs> people away. Yeah, right. And so this is an extremely, it's a super simple step, right? But it's very powerful. If we can tune into our body's responses in any situation, hey, do you want a coffee? Do you want a hug? Would you like some cake? And I want you to, for, from now on, I want you to actually pause for three seconds before you answer any question. And I want you to notice Am I a yes or a no to this? Mm. And this is how you flex that consent muscle. And this is how you get so good at recognizing insects in kink in life if you want something or you don't. I love that. Mm -hmm. It's just such a great mindfulness exercise, which Mm -hmm. is something we talk a lot about too on the show as well. It's just that it's taking that pause to to give yourself the time to check in. Mm -hmm. And yep. I just love, I just love saying, you know what? I'm not a full bodied yes to that. I, it, that mm-hmm. the, the power of recognizing that and being able to communicate that is so powerful in my personal relationship where I don't want to say no to someone because they've suggested something that I'm like, uh, no, but to be able to say, you know what? I'm not a full bodied yes to that is like, you can't argue with that because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. almost everyone can relate to what a full-bodied yes is, even mm. if it, if they they can't say like, well, when I get a full-bodied yes, I get tingling on my toes and butterflies on my stomach or or whatever. Like when I say to my partner, I'm not a full-bodied yes to that, they hear that I'm not a no necessarily <laughs> right now, but I mm. I'm not right now totally is not the time. Game. Yeah, yeah. I'm not ready to commit yeah. to that. Yeah. Um, and how yeah. much better will it be if it, when it is the right time? Exactly. You know, the difference between like people think like, okay, we have to talk so much about the things that we're going to do. This is not sexy. But it's like, hang on a minute. I'm telling you exactly what I want you to do to me. Mm-hmm. And you are really wanting to do this. This is fucking hot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like um, consent is sexy. And when people start to learn about these communication <sighs> tools and start to um, get better at understanding and learning about what they do and don't want and appreciating their partners and lovers and dates boundaries, you will be having so much quality pleasure and sex. It mm-hmm. will just get better because, yeah, so you won't turn back. Tess, thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, big thank you been great. for taking time out of your early, early morning to join us from all <laughs> the way tomorrow over the there. It's tomorrow. Yeah, you're living in the future. You took your future, <laughs> future. to hang with us in the present. Uh, Get back in my DeLorean. <laughs> thank you so much. And uh, how can people? Uh, how can people find you? How can people um, partake in the the offerings that you have? Yeah, uh, please plug away. We we uh-huh. would love to know how people can connect. 
Oh, thanks. Okay. Um, so I, I am, I created a business, it's called Connectable Therapies. So connectabletherapies.com. So that's my OT practice. Um, so it's work I do in sexuality for people with cancer, disability and chronic illness. Um, it's also where I keep a whole range of my cancer and sex resources, including like my book, YouTube channel links, articles, all that stuff. And the kink, BDSM, communication, consent, and pleasure stuff. <clears throat> I, I work for Curious Creatures. Amazing. Um, yeah. Oh, my God. Best job of my life. Um, hosting BDSM events. I get paid for this. Holy hell. How did that happen? Um, uh, so on that site, so there's a podcast called Curious Conversations About Sex, which has got so much stuff about um, consent, communication, all, all the things that we've covered and so much more. There's also a whole range of pre-recorded workshops. So I run like how to pleasure your partner's vulva, how to pleasure your partner's penis, or how to pleasure your own or your partner's anus. And through that is the how to check in and communicate during sex. And that's, um, uh, you know, like, Hey, let's find the A spot. Yeah. There's a P spot. What? Yeah. You know, all that kind of fun stuff. Um, there's also like non-monogamy workshops there and yeah, just a whole range of stuff for self-development and communication. I also just want to share for people that are like, oh yeah, this is, this is, this is cool. Like these conversations have been really insightful, but I just don't know where to start. I don't know if this is mirror imaged or not, but the art for of people the that are, yep. yeah, yep. for people that are dating, this book is by Georgie Wolf. Um, it's how to ethically hook up and date and also how to learn um, how to express your boundaries and practice consent during intimacy. So mm -hmm. like that's kind of like the the dating Bible in Australia. She's pretty amazing. I just Very wanted cool. to share that because a lot of people are like, oh, my God, this book has changed everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. Possibly a future guest for Sigma. Yeah. Do you know her? Send her a, send us her. Yeah, contact. yeah. We've collaborated together <laughs> on a few things. Let's, I would uh, love to send yeah, you a Yeah, let's chat about that after. Um, She's uh, an escort too. Again, Fantastic. folks, uh, it is www.connectabletherapies.com, uh, curiouscreatures.biz, and of course, The Art of the Hookup by Georgie Wolf. Tess, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This has been so much fun. And uh, to you. everyone who's tuned in, thank you so much. Again, we're going to fire you. off the, uh, the uh, consent cards to everyone in your email. So you should be seeing that in the next uh, 10 minutes or so. This has been so much fun. Huge shout out to Allison and the team at Algonquin Student Association. This is probably our third or fourth show for the college. Like We love it. We and love it. We really wish we could be there in person. <clears throat> Someday soon, it will happen. We'll be back in Ottawa. We love, uh, we love this community. We're so happy to be a part of it. And uh, again, Tess, thank you so much. This has been really fun. Uh, folks, that is it. For this week until next week or the next show go touch yourself Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues 
your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 